Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Open your Bibles with me to Psalms chapter 37. This Psalms is such a powerful Psalms, I encourage you to read it on a regular basis. But uh, um, I didn't put this in my notes, but Psalms 37 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver them out of them all. And here in verse 23, it says, The steps of a good man. And the word good is parallels with the word God or godly. So the steps of a godly man are ordered of the Lord. You know, God has steps for you. He has a plan for you. You know, the Word of God tells us in Jeremiah, he has a good plan for you. He thinks good thoughts about you. You know, he is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. He really does have a good plan. But you know what? It's up to us to receive that plan, and it's up to us to make the right choices so his plan can manifest in our lives. So your steps are ordered of the Lord. Your steps, they're ordered of the Lord. My steps, they're ordered of the Lord. And uh, they're ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. And so where where do we, where do we, what's the next step we take, you know, in a situation, in this, you know, uh, you know, in this situation that happened in Valdea there in Texas, you know, what's, what is the next step? What, where do we go from here? You know, it's challenging, it, it doesn't make sense. Well, go with me to Philippians chapter three, and this is something that, you know, Vicki and I remind ourselves, and, and uh, we're here to remind you again, look to the Word of God. You can always go back to the Word of God for your answers, you know. And we were discussing uh, just this last week about some circumstances, you know, situations that were kind of out of our control. You know, some people made some choices, and, you know, people make choices, you know. And sometimes they make choices that affect you maybe in a negative way. And I told Vicki, I said, you know, it just so bothered me. And she said, yeah, but Tom, what we're going to do is we're going to not let their choices affect us from doing the right thing. When it boils down to it, I'll never forget when I was walking through something difficult, and I was just crying out to the Lord, and I said, you know, Lord, what about this? He said, well, what's more important, you should be asking yourself this question, is that are you going to make the right decision? If you make the right decisions, things will go well with you. And so that's one of the keys in walking through difficult times and difficult challenges is for you to say, it doesn't matter what everybody else is going to do. I'm going to do the right thing. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to believe this, but, you know, it really is true that your obedience destroys the works of disobedience. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. It says that your weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. You know, God gives us these weapons. He gives us these abilities. You know, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? These are all the things that we, we have that, that are really working for us. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You know, we can't win these battles in our natural strength, but they're mighty in God. They're mighty in the word of God. The word of God can sustain us. It's sharper and 
and powerful, more powerful than any two-edged sword. In other words, it's a nice weapon to be able to use. You know, it divides asunder the soul from the spirit. It really tells us the right way to do things, not to be led by our emotions, but be, but be led by the spirit. And let this, let this word be our guide. Let this word be our instruction manual. And it goes on, you know, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, being ready to punish disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And I believe the King James says revenge. That word punish or revenge, it means, it means to annihilate as if it never exists. And so when you choose to do the right thing, it destroys any disobedience that maybe you've committed. We've all made mistakes. You know, but God's a God of a second chance. Isn't that wonderful? In fact, he'll give you a second chance to the point where you, it's like you never made a mistake. That's the beautiful thing about God. But it also will destroy the works of disobedience in other people's lives. God will, you know, let God deal with them. You know, how many of you uh, parents had more than one child and, and another child got involved in the disciplining you know, I'll never forget one time we were camping and, and uh, you know, my brother and I, we you know, we did a little trick on my sister and, and uh, so, and we were inside the tent and my sister forgot that those tent walls weren't very thick, you know, and so she started railing on us in a very loud way and we're over there laughing and snickering and apparently some things were said that were inappropriate and so my mom came in and started, you know, uh, correcting that this inappropriate words that she was using, you know. And then I felt so bad, and I thought, you know what, I need to stop this. So I tried to get in the way to stop my mom from disciplining my sister, and you know what, it made it worse, you know. <laughs> so I found out, don't get in the way, you know, when mom or dad are disciplining another sibling, because this is going to happen to you too, you know. And, you know, it's the same way with God. Let God deal with them. Let God deal with them. You know, he has a way of dealing with them better than we, than we can. And, you know, sometimes God does see a diamond in the rough. And all of us all started out as a lump of coal. Let's just be real. You know, it was the pressure of life that brought us to be this place that we're these sparkling diamonds and, you know, things like that. You know, and all of us started out at a level that we needed to be perfect, that we needed to grow, we needed to, and let's give other people that opportunity to let God bless them. And so Paul said something here in Philippians that has so much inspired me, and that is right here in Philippians chapter uh, 3, starting with verse 12. Not that I've already obtained. You know, Paul is really teaching me right here to start talking to myself a little bit. He's saying, you know, have you already attained everything? I mean, are, are, are you there? Tom Luther, are you there? You know? And, you know, you, you could ask my wife. She'll tell you, I'm not there. I mean, she is. She's been perfect most of our marriage life. But <laughs> I, 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 I'm not there, you know? So at least I have something to attain to, a good example at the house, right? But anyway, but no, I, I'm not there yet. Let's just be real. Paul, Paul, Paul's trying to teach us on how to, how to move on. Are you there yet? Are you, I mean, have you perfected everything? You know, I mean, are you the perfect person, you know? And I'm just talking to me. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working at it, you know? And thank God I'm not where I used to be. Thank God you're not where you used to be. 
You know, don't dwell on all your mistakes. Don't drag yourself through the mud. Drag yourself through the blood. Let that blood cleanse you. All right? Let God do his work of righteousness in your life because that's the way he wants you to see yourself the way he sees it. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but one thing I do. He didn't say it like that, but I'm adding that a little bit. But I press on. What's he pressing on? What's he pressing on for? There's always a next level. Tell your neighbor there's always a next level. There's always a next step. You know, how are you going to get home? One step at a time. For most of us, get where we're supposed to go one step at a time. You know, and, you know, each and every one has a different step. We have a different stride. And so many of you know that I married a real beautiful but petite woman, and I'm a big, large guy. And when we walk, you know, she takes two steps to my one. And so I have to slow down my stride in order for her to stay up with me. And so when we walk, she gets twice the exercise that I get. She puts in twice as many steps that I put in, you know. And so anyway, but what my point is that we all have different strides. We all have different steps. We all have different uh, uh, plans. God has a different plan for you than he has for me. And so one of the things that Paul's trying to encourage us this year is, is don't compare yourself to somebody else's plans. That's so important. You know, just because your step's a little different than my step doesn't mean that you're not in step with God. Hello, somebody. You know, and, and it's not wise. The Word of God, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, it's not wise to compare yourself one to another, you know. Why? Because God has a, a, a different plan and purpose for your life. So he said, so what I do, that I press on, that I may lay hold of that which Christ has also laid hold of hold for me. Now, here's part of the challenges of comparing yourself. When you begin to compare yourself, and I'm not saying that certain people don't inspire you, that's okay, but when you begin to compare yourself, what you're trying to do is you're trying to lay hold of what somebody else has laid hold for themselves. You're trying to lay hold of something for you that somebody else has laid hold for themselves when you're comparing yourself to other people. But Paul says, no, no, press on to lay hold of that which Christ laid hold for you. And see, here's the key. Man will always create your world too small. Or he'll create your world with limits. He'll always try to, well, you can only do so much. You know, there was a time in life that, in sports history, that they said no one will ever be able to run, a, a break a four-minute mile, you know, in running. And, you know, people break the four-minute mile all the time. You know, it would be really spectacular if somebody breaks a three-minute mile. But you know what? how they're breaking the record? One second at a time. One step at a time. One race at a time. You know, nobody went from, you know, uh, you know 405 to, you know, 353. I don't know what the fastest one is. But anyway, nobody went to that overnight but one race at a time, one step at a time, you know? And so how are we going to break records? You know, one step at a time, you know? And we've got to break out of this mold of allowing men to create our world for us because men will always create our world with limitations. But with God, there's no limitations. 
There's no limitations. There's no miracle God can't do for you. You know, there's nothing that can't, it's too hard for God. And when you're with God, all things are possible. And this is what Paul's saying. He said, no, listen, let's get refocused. Let's get refocused. Let's get focused back on what God's doing in our lives, not what happened here or what happened there. You know, and I know that, I, I, you know, again, this thing that happened, you know, really, really weighed heavy on me. But you know what? I had to refocus. You know, I had to keep, you know, I had to keep my eyes on what God's doing in my life and what God's doing in our school and what God's doing in our church and what God's doing in our marriage and not be too concerned about what's going on in other places. And this is the way the enemy does. He tries to get you to allure you to other areas that really you can't do anything about anything other than pray. What can you do about it? You know, you have to move on. And we are doing our part. I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. So then he goes on. He says, and I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me. Now listen, there's nothing you can do about yesterday except make better choices for tomorrow. I want to say that one more time. There's nothing you can do about yesterday unless or except you make better choices for tomorrow. The truth is you are where you're at today because of the choices you made yesterday. That's the truth. Ouch. It may hurt a little bit, but it is really the truth. All right? But if you want a better future, you're going to have to make good choices today. You know, we're all, we all should be accountable for our own decisions. But unfortunately, we live in a society that's inundated, and it's crept into the church so much. I hear, it, I hear it a lot, you know, and we want to blame somebody else for the way or why we made the decisions we made. But you know what? Bottom line is that when it's all over and we come to eternity, God's not going to say, why did you make this decision? And you go, well, because so-and-so, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, was it Flip Wilson who used to say the devil made me do it? They ain't going to cut it either. Because <laughs> God's going to say, I gave you authority over the devil. All right. So anyway, we always want to blame, you know, but it's about choices. And what Paul's saying, you know what, in order for me to make good choices, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to forget those things behind me, which includes some of the bad choices I've made. Hello, somebody. That's why I said, don't drag yourself through the mud. Drag yourself through the blood. God's already forgiven you, and he's already forgotten it. So let's, let's forget those things which are behind us uh, and, and begin to reach toward the things which are ahead of us. Reach towards the things that are ahead of us. Begin to reach. We, we, need to, we need to, our steps are ordered for us to reach towards that next step that God has for us. We are designed to break out of the limits. We are designed to break the four-minute mile. You know, I'm maybe, you know, I'm just trying to use that as an illustration. We are designed to break the mold. You know, even in aviation, they never thought anybody could ever fly faster than the speed of sound. Now we have Mach 2, Mach 3. Mach is going faster than the speed of sound. You know, it's, it's, an, it's incredible some of the things that, that we're learning. You know, who would have ever thought 
that the first computer that was about as big as this room, you know, that our cell phone can do twice as much, you know, and that little bitty little thing there. Isn't that amazing what, what the technology that we're, we're able to, who, who would have ever thought, you know, it, it's so amazing. Once in a while, we'll call our friends in, in Australia, down under, you know. And, uh, you know, the last time we were talking to him, you know, uh, Pastor Bill Knott said, you know, he said, man, I feel like this, this signal so strong, I feel like, you know, you're in the next room talking to me, you know. Isn't that amazing? And when I was a little boy, if you tried to call somebody overseas, I mean, it was hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollars. I mean, we had to pay $25 to make a long-distance call in our own state if we stayed on the phone too long. That's why we didn't condone long-distance dating. It was too expensive. But anyway, so Paul said, reaching towards, and then he said it again, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he said, first of all, he said, I press on that I may lay hold of that which Jesus laid hold of for me. You know, the truth is that we've, we've, we've heard, I'm sure in this church, we've forgotten more of God's promises than we know God's promises. We've heard of a lot of God's promises. But the key in the order for us to obtain God's promises is to be reminded of his promises on a daily basis. We need to be reminded, you know, God has a good plan for you. He's got good thoughts towards you. He wants you healed. He wants you whole. He wants you prosperous. He wants you to be an overcomer. He wants you to be a conqueror. He wants you to be, a, be successful. These are all the things we need to remind ourselves on a regular basis. And there are so many different promises in the Word of God that can get us there as we stand on God's Word for those things. So he wants us to have these things, but we need to be reminded. And so Paul said, this is why I press on. I'm pressing on to that, thing, that, that which Jesus has already made available for me. And of course, one of my favorite scriptures is 2 Peter chapter 1, 3. According to his divine power, he's given you all things. Say all things. Now, you know, you need to think about it. What are all things? All things that pertain to life and godliness. According. How did he give it to you? Not according to our standards. According to his divine power, he's given you all these things. He's already created all things. You know, there's probably anything, there's probably not anything that you can ask God that God hasn't already made for you. But if there was, is it too hard for him just to create it for you? I'll never forget one time, I was just learning to walk in faith, you know, and uh, I was taking uh, one of my first trips uh, to Texas. Um, when I went to Texas from this particular area, I was, you know, in my 20s, and I was just starting to venture out, and I had a little two-seater Porsche that I drove around and everything, and so anyway, it didn't have much room in it, and I didn't have a whole lot of money, but, you know, I had a whole lot of fun. But anyway... So I was, I was driving one night, and I was getting real tired, you know, and I said, Lord, I need a rest area. So I said, Lord, why don't you just make me a rest area? And all of a sudden, there was a rest area. Now, did God make that rest area? Probably not. But you know what? It blessed my faith, you know. And so I, I pulled in that rest area and, and uh, took about a two-hour nap in that little two-seater Porsche. Now, you know, you can only imagine. I was young back then. <laughs> I could do those things. But anyway... But, uh, but, you know, God can make things 
You know, he, he can make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. So Paul's saying, I'm pressing towards that. I'm pressing towards what God's already done for me, and I know he can do more things for me. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upper calling of God in Christ, uh, Christ Jesus. And then he went on to say this, Therefore let us, as many as mature, have this mind. And if you think anything otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and of the same mind. So, you know, what is, where, how do we take that next step? Number one, know that there is more to obtain. God's not done with you. Now, listen, I know that there are some that you have been very diligent and you have retired from your place of employment and uh, there may have been some type of benefit where you can live a, a nice life uh, as a result of working many years and you're, you're in what the world calls a retirement plan. But you know what? God doesn't have a retirement plan for you. You're right. He doesn't want you to retire. He wants you to refire, to refocus. You know, you're not too old to do things for God. Let me say that again. I got one real solid amen. <laughs> You're not too old to refocus and do great things for the kingdom of God. You never get too old. You know, in fact, the truth is, is what keeps you young? Because the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord. That doesn't mean sit around and do nothing and watch wagon train all day long, you know? But what it means is they that continue to serve God. He shall renew their strength. Isn't that right? That's part of, you know, your renewing and your strength. And I find and see that when people make that dedication, you know, you see them have goals and vitality and youthfulness. I've got, I've got a place to be. I've got something to do at the church. I've got something to do for the kingdom of God. So know that there's more to attain and, uh, and, and, and you go ahead and to obtain those things. Secondly, sometimes it does take a pressing or a pursuing to obtain. So what do you have to do? You have to put yourself in a position to obtain, a position to press in, a position to move forward. Uh, the last time I was in Israel, we went to a place, and, and uh, I, I so desire to take every one of you to this place. It's called the, the, the Little Nazareth. And people who who work this particular area, they've chosen to live at the, the, just like it was during the time of Jesus. They have carpenter shops. They have a temple there. Uh, they raise their own crops. They, you know, they shepherd sheep. They make their own cheese and butter. And, and uh, it's just so very intriguing. And when we were there, they had an olive press. And they begin to share with us that there is three types of pressing that they do for an olive. And this is what virgin olive oil is. It comes from the first pressing. And so the three types of presses for olive oil is for the temple. And for the second pressing, the oil that comes out is for cooking and for the people. And the third olive oil that comes out of the pressing is for soap and for the lighting of lamps. 
So that first olive, that first pressing, the first pressing that God does in all of us when we get saved is it begins to mold you and make you and create you for the kingdom of God. Isn't that wonderful? You know, the second pressing that you might go through will, is he is preparing you, you know, um, well, not to cook people, obviously, <laughs> but to prepare you to bring the bread of life. Isn't that wonderful? Think about that. And the third one is for cleansing and to be a light. And doesn't the word of God say, arise and shine for your light has come? I want to let you just know something, that the very presence of God that's in you is so tangible and you're so used to it that you're not aware of how much of a witness you really are. You know, the other day, I don't know if I shared this or not. I think I did once. But the other day, you know, one of the guys in our flying club said, uh, well, you know, we got, we got into a discussion about you, Tom. I said, yeah, what was that all about? He said, well, you hadn't been around for so long. Somebody asked if, uh, you know, um, what do you evangelicals call that thing where Christians kind of disappear? That's what he said. <laughs> I said, what, the rapture? He goes, yeah. <laughs> We wondered if you raptured. <laughs> so I said, well, you know, I said, um, obviously I didn't. And I said, but that's such a compliment to me because, you know, you guys are, you know, thinking that if anybody's going to go first, it's me. <laughs> he said, that's exactly what we think around here, you know, preaching without saying anything. And it really just, just blessed me so much. But so is yours. But you know, as a result of the pressing, you know, and when you get squeezed, what comes out? You know, what really comes out when you get squeezed? Are we turning and getting focused back to the things of God? Or are we looking and complaining and murmuring about what's really going on and why does it have to happen to me? So you press on to obtain, but you not only have to think of what am I going to obtain, but you want to obtain that which has already been attained for you. That which has been obtained for you. You know, if, and, and, and this is just, you know, a hypothetical illustration, but you know, if I said, you know, hey, um, I put $100,000 in your bank account, and you went home and you said, well, you know, pastor gave me $100,000, well, that's great. Isn't there something you have to do to obtain it? Huh? Like maybe go to the bank? You know, like maybe, you know, check the deposit. Like, you know, don't you have to do something to obtain it? It might be there, but don't you have to do something to obtain it? Sure you do. You have to make an effort to go receive what was already made available for you. And this is what Paul's saying. You know what? You need to press on to attain that which has been obtained for you. So I don't, I don't really don't know what God wants for my life. Well, you know what? Are you walking in divine health? Begin to begin to uh, press in and to obtain divine health. Are you walking in peace? You know, the scripture says, perfect peace. I give those whose mind stays on him. You know, there are so many areas of our lives that we can ask ourselves, Oh, I'm not there yet, and that's okay. But let's press on to obtain that which God has already obtained for us.
You know, if there's areas in your life that you need to change, you know, don't worry about changing it all suddenly. Just change it one day at a time. Just one day at a time. You know, if, if, if there are some sinful habits in your life, then say, well, today I'm not going to participate in that sinful habit. And don't worry about it. One day at a time. I'll never forget when my mother was talking to me one time and, and she felt so condemned because she had been a, a smoker all her life. And my mom had accomplished great things. She accomplished so many things in her life. You know, but this was one area she was struggling with. And I mean, she just did everything she could to, to give up the smokes. And so she called me up and she said, I want to talk to you as my pastor. You know, I said, okay. And so I put my little pastor hat on, you know, kind of imaginary there. And she said, I'm so struggling with this, you know. And so, you know, I said, Mom. You know, look at all the things that you accomplished, okay? And I said, first of all, God's not mad at you. God wants you to get free of this more than you want to get free of it. I said, but just take it one day at a time. Don't worry about if you fail tomorrow or maybe four hours at a time. Maybe say, well, I'm, I'm not going to smoke for six hours. You know, do what you can do. Do what you can do and let God do the rest. You know, and I always say it like this. You do, your, you do your best and let God do the rest. Do what you can do. And she did. And, you know, about two weeks later, she, I, and I said, quit worrying about it. Quit thinking about it. About two weeks later, you know, she had quit the smokes. And I don't think she told me for about three months. I found that out later. She said, you know, that was the best advice you can give me. She I was so wrapped up in what if I fail, what if I fail, what if I fail, that, you know, I wasn't, you know, in a sense, she didn't use this terminology, but I wasn't pressing in to obtain that which was already obtained for me. And that's what happens so many times is we got to obtain that which is obtained for us, not worry about if we're going to fail. Because you know what? I got news for you. You just might fail one more time. But you fail forwards, not backwards. Okay, you press in to put things behind you. You know, that's one of the things in, in, in coaching, and in instructing people, is that's so very important. You know, you, you, if, you, if you fail, don't worry about it. Put it behind you and move on. Put it behind you and move on. And that's the important thing. Don't sit there and, and, and think about, well, because I don't have this ability, I'll never be able to do this. No, you have that ability. Just because you fail doesn't make you a failure. You know, Failing is an event, it's not a person. You got to remember that. And you know, it gives you an opportunity to know where you need maybe to work on some things or try to, try to, try to develop some things so you don't fail the next time. But nevertheless, you fail forward, you don't fail backwards. So you have to press to forget those failures that are behind you. you really, sometimes you have to really press forward to forget those things that have happened to you in your life. We've all had negative things happen in our lives, but we have to press forward to let those things go. And I've used this illustration so many times, but you know, if you, if you broke my arm and I said, I forgive you, you know, but there's no miracle. And I go to the doctor and he puts me in a cast, you know, and you know, three or four days later, I lose my balance, I, 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 I'm, you know, hit the door jam going out the door or whatever with that cast, and I have this excruciating pain. You know, am I thinking, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you? Probably not. 
But have I forgiven you? Yes. Have I moved on? Yes. Well, what do I need? I need a healing. And this is what pressing on does. Pressing on lets me forget those things behind so that I can focus on receiving my healing. And that's the same way in every area of our lives. You know, and so if we begin to focus on what's right in life, then those things which are negative in our lives will begin to dissipate and fade away. And I believe that's what God wants for us to do, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we got to press to forget those things. we got to press to put those things behind us. It's a pressing sometimes. It is oppressing. When someone's hurt you and, you know, deeply wounded you, and sometimes when you see him, you know, if it, if it, it tries to remind you or something comes up that causes you to think about him and reminds you of the hurt that they uh, have caused in your life, you have to press. You have the purpose to press on past that because God wants you healed of that. And then the last thing is that you have to press towards the prize. There's a, an award. What is that award? That is to experience that Christ-likeness that God created you in. You know, when you begin to walk in that authority, you begin to walk in that value, you begin to walk in that understanding that you were created for a purpose by the creator of this whole system. I mean, you know, there are still stars out there in the galaxy that are popping up like this and like that and like this and like that. You know why? Because God said light be. That's the God who created you. And this is where we should get our value from. Our value more than anything else should come from pressing into the things of God. And that's why Paul said, this one thing I do. This is, and, and you know, it's not the one thing he did, does, but he was saying, this is how I live my life. I make this a priority. What is that, Paul? Not that I've attained or that I'm perfect, but I press on. This is what's important. This is a priority for me, is to press on. How do you do it, Paul? Well, I forget those things which are behind me, and I reach towards. I make plans for, are you making plans for success? See, wherever you're looking at is what you're making plans for to do next. Whatever you're looking at, you are making plans for what you're going to do next. How many of you know somebody whenever they're driving and they look some way, the car goes that way? You know somebody like that? Well, it's amplified when you're flying. But the sad thing about it is when you're flying, you don't know you've turned that way. (laughs) And so anyway, you have to stay focused. And so you don't want that person to have an intense conversation with you and look over at you while they're driving, do you? Why? Because wherever they're looking, they're going to go. Well, that's the nature. That's how you're created. What are you looking towards? You looking towards the future or are you looking towards the past? You know, because God has a future for your life. And it takes a little pressing. That's what Paul was saying. I'm going to do this. I'm going to press on. Anybody here going to press on with me? And I don't count myself to apprehend it, but I do. I forget those things which are behind me. I'm reaching forward. To those things are ahead. I press towards the goal and the prize of the upper calling. Let, therefore, let as many of us are mature have this mind. And this is the key. This is the key of a mature mind. Not how bad I missed it, but how much I'm going to press in to obtain that which he has obtained for me. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. 
For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.